All right, let's go to the Word of God tonight. And uh, uh, I was in the book of Leviticus and uh, this morning, and uh, Leviticus 15 of all books, and you'll see why that is such an odd chapter, but it resonated with me all day, and I want to speak with you about two very important words, and those are sanctification and consecration. And my text comes from Joshua chapter 2, verse 3. I have it printed on your outline, or you can go to your Bible, Joshua chapter 2, and I'll begin there, helping you see what's going on. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Say that with me. I've not passed this way before. Say it again. I have not passed this way before. One more time. I've not passed this way before. How many of you are ready to go in a new direction? Ready for new territory, ready for something new and exciting, right? Instead of the same old thing. I want to go where I've not gone before. And the presence of the Lord is going to lead us there. And he says this, you don't know the way you should go. See, if you knew it, you'd be familiar with it. Now, some of you are going to be uncomfortable with this because you like the familiar. Well, church should go like this. And people should sing like that. And it should have this to it. And we should get out on this time. And it should be like that. Well, we want to go where we've never been before. That means it's not familiar. We don't know how to get there. But the Lord is going to take us there. Amen? So how many of you want that? In all honesty, come on, how many of you really want that? Are you sure? Okay. So then he says this. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I, man, that, that's awesome. You've never been this way before. Now he's going to do wonders among you. Let me ask you something. This is a new generation. What's the first wonder they're going to see? Right? Joshua, huh? Entering into the promised land. First wonder is the ark is going to pass over the river Jordan. As soon as the priest's big toe touches the water, what's going to happen? It separates. All right, there's a wonder right there. Now, this generation, uh, where we little lads, uh, uh, 40 years ago when it happened in the Red Sea, their parents have all died because they wouldn't go into the promised land. Right? That's why they didn't know where to go before. I want to go where what was promised to me is yet to come. And there's a wonder for them. They're going to see it the next day when they see that ark and they're following 2,000 cubits behind it so that they have to stay far enough away to get the distance to know what direction it's headed in. Do you get this? You walk too close to something, you can't see the tree from the, from the uh, forest. So you've got to back up and, and see where we're going. Hey, we're headed over here to Canaan. And, uh-oh, there's, a, there's the Jordan there that they touch it. Boom, it separates. They walk through. Then the, what's the next wonder, the very next thing that they're going to be told to do? Walk around Jericho. Huh? And they're going to see the walls of Jericho crumble. Man, come on, that's awesome. That's the first battle. Ooh, that's going to be awesome. Wonders. The Lord will do wonders in your midst. 
I want to see wonders in my lifetime. I want to see things that I've been praying for come to full fruition with power and might. Amen? And I want to see God's hand doing it. And that the Lord is going to do wonderful things. But in order for that to happen, God says you need to consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. So what God did with Israel, the first thing He did with them, is He sanctified them. That's what Passover is all about, separating them out of Egypt. Okay? He sanctified. So to sanctify means to separate. To separate. Okay? It means to cleanse. It means to separate you from everything else and cleanse you from it. Cleanse you from the world. Cleanse you from that which is unclean and to make you clean and set apart for God. That's what sanctify means. And that's what God did with Israel, didn't He? He separated them from Egypt. Now they're their own nation. But they weren't ready to go into the promised land. Though they were set apart for God, they wouldn't listen to God. And so now they're ready to cross over. They're ready to go where their fathers would not go. And they're ready to cross over now. And so God says, I want you to consecrate yourself. The word consecrate means to be filled. To become useful, full of what God needs in you to accomplish His will. And so the difference between being sanctified and being consecrated is to be filled and satisfied. So to sanctify is an emptying process of the old and consecration is a filling process of the new. And they're ready for it. Now, how many of you know you can be sanctified and still empty? We've got a lot of believers that are saved. They're set apart for God. Their faith is, is sure. Their salvation is sure. They trust in Jesus. But they've not been filled with the presence of God. They're still filled with them, themselves and their flesh. God says, get ready. You want to see wonders? You want me to do things? You want to go where you've never been before? Well, then fuel up and get ready. Sanctification is emptying yourself from the old life. Consecration is filling yourself up with the new life. Have you ever seen someone with their feet in both camps? How can you walk in the Lord? And I'm going to use this in a general sense so that none of you get your feelings hurt tonight. But the church in the United States is like this. That's why we're immobile. That's why we're not moving forward and we're not making new advance. We got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And you can't walk like that. You can't even move. Basically, you're paralyzed. God bless you, you're saved. But some of you here tonight got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Or when I say the church, I don't mean the building and attendance and this and that. I mean being saved. All right, let me qualify that. I mean being the a son of God, being saved, a child of God. So one of, some of you have your foot in the world and one foot in the church. And, and you can't figure out why your life isn't going or advancing any better than it is. You, you, you have some disciplines from the Lord and a lot of disciplines from your flesh. And, and this, I, I had this vision of this, this sense of this, and I found this picture. And, and that really explains why so many are just standing still in their walk. 
And so we've got to go into a place of sanctification, purifying, cleaning out, get your foot out of that world, and get both feet planted in the church, and we need to move into consecration to be filled with God. Amen? So I want to take the time tonight to go over Leviticus uh, and understand what makes us unclean and what we need to be washed and sanctified from. Now, the first one is, if you'll remember, we're not supposed to mix things. Leviticus 19.19 says this, Keep my commandments. Do not mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. And do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of materials. What's that about? That's called shatnez in Hebrew. The concept is mixing and merging kinds. K-I-N-D-S, kinds. Right? God made different kinds of animals. Different types of being. And what he's saying is you don't mix them. All right? He goes on, he says, men don't dress like women. Women don't dress like men. You don't mix genders. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? All right? You can see our culture, what's happening. The further you go into sin, the further you go away from the will of God. Don't mix things. There should not be confusion. And so when he says, when you're, when you're, you, you don't mate different kinds of animals. You don't try to mate a dog with an elephant. I don't know how many elephants were in Israel, but just don't even try it, okay? You don't, don't mix different kinds of animals. This is me- messing. It, you know, in an, in an embryonic form, it can speak to our ethics all the way into the 21st century and say, you know what, let's not mess with DNA and mix different kinds because what you're doing is changing the structures that God has established in genetics. All right? Now, there's nothing wrong with mixing particular kinds of, uh, not kinds, but uh, families of the same types. That's how we get different dog breeds and different cat breeds and this and that. But they're the same thing. They're cats. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? So then he goes on and he says, well, in your fields you don't mix two kinds of seeds. Now, this is to benefit them, okay? This is for them to, to get a benefit. You don't plant corn and wheat in the same row in the same fields. That's just silly, all right? It makes your labor harder, and your, your harvest will not produce a proper crop. It's going to drink its water differently. It's going to saturate the sun. It's going to grow and crowd out differently. You don't mix kinds, okay? And then we go on, and he then says this, He also says not to mix the same kind of fabrics. All right, he wanted to keep uh, some fabrics separate from others, and some of this is simply a a uh, a process by which they're to learn what it means to be separate from the world. Some of it's just a simple exercise. You don't mix wool and linen. Why not? We can go into a lot of different speculations and a lot of different details as to why uh, people have looked into it and there's all sorts of uh, uh, essays on it and information you can get into it. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to let you know that it's a simple exercise in understanding how you keep certain things separate. Okay? 
Wool is from an animal. Linen is from plants. Mixing plants and animals. The, you know, different concepts. When you mix them, they absorb heat differently and it has an effect on you. Or it may, again, simply be a, just an exercise. Just don't do it. Be obedient to me. Have you ever tested your kids and told them to do certain things that you just had them do it just so that you could see if they'd obey you? Right? Take the trash out. Can I do it later? No, I want you to do it now. You, it could be done later, couldn't it? But you want, you want some obedience here. So what's interesting is the point in this is we understand he's speaking to the nation of Israel, but what is the principle we get out of that? That God doesn't want certain things to mix. And he is telling Israel, I don't want you to mix with the nations of the world. You are to be a light on a hill, a people who are chosen, a priesthood to God that will illuminate all the knowledge of the world that there is one God, Jehovah is his name, and if you will obey him, you will be blessed. I don't want them to get it from any other source. You're my source. Keep my source clean so that it cannot be mistaken. You can't say, oh, it's luck, right? The Christians are to be the ones separate from the world so that everybody knows, I got trouble, where should I go? Go to the Christians. They have an answer. How do you know? They're uniquely different from everybody else. But not the church. We all want to look like everybody else, talk like everybody else. We don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. It's not a sore thumb. It's a bright light. And that's what God's saying. I need you separate. Don't be like the Canaanites. Don't be like the Amorites. Don't be like the Philistines. Don't go there and adapt their cultures. If they mix materials, I don't want you to. If they mix their cattle with sheep, I don't want you to. I want you to be a distinct people. And that's the sanctification process, brothers and sisters. And for some of us, it might get a little irritating. For some of us, we might say, well, what's the big deal? It doesn't bother me. It's not about you. It's not about you. You're a witness to everybody else. Sometimes we do things for the sake of others. And we walk a fine line, not in legalism. We've got liberty in Christ. But we walk this line in obedience by love to God for the sake of weaker brethren and others. This isn't all about my rights. I'm an American. I can do what I want. We bring that right into our Christianity. And we put the Statue of Liberty right next to the cross. I've got my liberty in Jesus. Get that woman down. <laughs> she doesn't belong there. Your liberty's in Jesus Christ. Not by some right you think you have. All right, now let's move on. Look at a, a Leviticus 11.43. He wanted separation for the things you take in. So he talked about f food and animals how they were to be unique. Do you remember Israel had a unique dietary law, didn't they? And God went into this big explanation of what kind of foods they should eat and shouldn't eat. So what's the point of that? Well, the literal point is what God is trying to say to that nation is I'm going to keep you healthy. So don't eat this food, don't eat that food, don't eat this food, it'll kill you. I mean, it's that simple. That's what he was doing, giving them dietary laws, okay? Does that still you know, go over into the New Testament? Well, we have Peter uh, in the experience with the vision coming down, what God calls clean, don't you call unclean. God changed dietary laws, and, and for that time it was for Israel in their covenant, okay? And that's fine. So that's what it means specifically, but what's the principle for it? 
Be careful of what you take into yourself. So what are you taking in? What are you drinking in? He, uh, Leviticus 11.43 says, Don't defile yourselves by any of these creatures. Don't make yourselves unclean by means of them or made unclean by them. There are certain things that if you consume or eat, in Israel it was unclean, so you couldn't do that. In the New Testament, still there are things in the world that we're taking in that are unclean and they're defiled for us. Okay? A steady diet of popular music is going to make you spiritually sick. But I like the beat. Well, there's enough Christian music that's got a beat. Listen to that. But it's a steady diet. Well, it doesn't bother me. I don't have a problem with it. It's unclean. Well, if I just bleep out some of the words and this and that, what are you doing? What are you drinking? And that's the point. All right? This isn't how much can I get away with our. This is consecrate yourselves, sanctify yourselves from all the things of the world. Now, let's go on. Leviticus 20, 25. You must therefore make a distinction between clean and unclean animals, between unclean and clean birds. Do not defile yourselves by any animal or bird or anything that moves along the ground. Those that I have set apart as unclean for you. Okay? So I, I, I know that you're okay with R-rated movies and the sex scene you just fast forward through. Come on, really? But I'm an adult. Let's back up a minute. You're a believer sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ who washed you and spent so much time getting you out of pornography. What are you doing hanging around the borders of it? Right? Let's get clean. Let's get clean. A lot of parents, some of you, you like, you know, again, I'm going back to the music. So in your car, because you're an adult, you can handle it. You're, you'll play the top 40, and it's fine, and that's cool. It's got peppy beats, and some of it's fun. And some of it is clean, no doubt. But, you know, you're playing it, and, and you're editing in this and that, but your kid in the back seat knows no difference. And so they're growing up on the world's music, and then you're shocked and surprised that they start moving and dancing like, like uh, I'm, I'm old, Lady Gaga. I, can't, I don't know who's the next one. Who's the next one? What's her face? Yeah, Miley Cyrus, the cute little Miley Cyrus who at one, now is now... Uh, uh, I was going to use a biblical horror. Oh, well, there it is. I was going to say a biblical word and it just came right out. It must have been the Holy Spirit. But that's what she's become. She sold herself. So our kids think this is fine because, again, in our diet, you with me? So what are you taking in? What are we taking in? If we're to be sanctified, oh, pastor, you're getting very legalistic now. It's, it's look, at conviction is, is one thing. There are going to be different convictions among us, right? There are things that are going to really uh, be a trap for me, but not for you. And so God will give me a personal conviction against it. And I can't put that conviction on you because it's not in the Word of God, and, and that's fine. So we have to understand each other's convictions. But then there are some things that are very clear. Very clear. All right? A foul mouth at home, though you have sweet lips here at church and you praise God beautifully, but you curse and swear at home. What is that? Right? Oh, that's my next topic. That's what comes out of you. Sorry. I'll go there. So what are you taking in? What are we consuming? When God says to Israel, 
Don't eat the thing that's crawling over there. Don't eat that bird. You can eat that bird. Don't eat that animal. You can eat that animal. Don't eat this one unless you prepare it this way. Don't let this mingle with that. What was he trying to model for them? Sanctification, a separation from the world. And if you get into the move of this thing, it will become beautiful to you. You'll understand it. Your health will improve spiritually. You will benefit and you'll be blessed. And you will no longer think, I miss those things. You'll wonder why you even bothered with them. So what are you taking in? Now, let's go to the next one. He said, what are you putting out? What are you putting out? That's where I started this morning on Leviticus 15. I'm sorry, but it was a whole chapter on certain bodily discharges that make you unclean. And I'm saying, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? This is a fascinating chapter. But when you understand the genius of God, he's working with a nation of people who are wandering out in the desert, and he's got to keep them healthy and well. And how many of you know, as Jeremiah says, not one of you lost a sandal, not one of you was sick with any of the plagues of Egypt. You were all healthy and in good health through the whole time. Why? God gave them the reasons to be healthy in the law of Leviticus. And they stayed healthy. Right? So now he says, there are things that come out of you that are unclean. So he talks about people, if they have sores and open sores, you are unclean, stay away from people. And if they were sleeping on a bed and their discharge are open sores, you need to not get in that bed. Right? I mean, just simple cleanliness laws, uh, things like menstruation with women and so forth, and with men, and, and all these issues were really for keeping health among the people. And so if there's something unclean coming from someone, you stay away from them till they get it cleaned up. Hmm. Interesting. You can help them clean. You can explain to them how to get clean, but you don't join them in the uncleanness. Right? Unless you need to rescue them, like the Good Samaritan. Right? Now that man had bodily discharge, didn't he? He had blood, the man that was hurt on the road. That's why the Levite wouldn't stop and help him. He didn't want to be unclean. But there are times when you go after someone who, who is maybe unclean, but you rescue them and bring them into that cleansing, and you will go through the cleansing with them. In fact, hey, I think Jesus did that for us. He became the most unclean by taking all of our discharge and filth upon Him in order to cleanse us. So, what we take in, what we put out, and last of all, on a spiritual sense, idols, curses that we take in from the enemy. There are things in this world, plants and animals and foods and things that you take in that are unclean and things that you put out there as a person that are unclean, but then there's a whole other realm, a spirit realm, that can make you unclean. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 17, Paul says this, Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? 
What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? Therefore, get out from among them. Be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Those are spiritual things. Now he's speaking right out of the Old Testament and quoting the Old Testament when God was speaking to Israel. Don't mess with idols. That, how many of you know that that's exactly what's going to happen with Joshua? Joshua is going to go in. They're going to see this miraculous move of God. The Jordan River is going to split. They're going to walk through. They're going to approach Jericho, this massive city. You could drive three chariots wide around its perimeter walls. Amazing. They're going to attack it. God tells them specifically how to do it. One day, you go walk around silently. That's a miracle in itself right there. People not even talking, walking around. You get a church, people not talking? Well, you can't. And they're going to walk around that wall and then come back home. Then on the seventh day, do it seven times and blow the shofars, blow the trumpets. And what happened, man? The walls came down. But there was a rule that was supposed to take place. Do not take a single thing from that city. All right? So they're ready to go to Ai. Ai is the next city. Ai. And so as they're ready to approach, I, they think, we got this, man. We know how to fight things. You know how to knock down cities? You walk around them and you blow trumpets. In fact, people started writing books at the Christian bookstore. How to defeat cities. Walk seven times and say, just because it happened for you once doesn't mean it's going to happen again. The same way. We like to put God in a box, don't we? And they didn't check with God. So Joshua's ready. Well, we know how to do this. We just had this great battle. So we go. They go to Ai. And when they get to Ai, they go, Ai! And they run away. Many men are killed. And God, Joshua runs back and says, What's going on? What happened here? Said there's sin in the camp. And, and so Joshua goes into the camp. And he's honing in on where the sin is. God leads him to the family of Achan. And Achan is the guy who stole What? an unclean thing, an idol, an idol from Jericho. Now, I'm sorry, but let's reason this out for a minute. You're in the army that marched around every day, seven days. The last day, you marched around seven days. You may have even had a horn in your hand. You might even been, Aiken might have even been one of those guys that got to blow a horn. I don't know. He was at least one of the guys that got the shout. You stood there and you watched 30-foot walls crumble. An entire city collapse because God said he's going to show you wonders and you consecrated yourself. And there was one rule, don't touch any unclean thing. Now, now how does that get into your head to go take some precious metal idol? When you've been told by the God who just knocked down a city. Don't do this. Now, right? We're all going like, that's stupid. It's like, hello. How about us? We've got that God in us. And we still make our choices, don't we? To disregard him. How can we do this? How can we do this? Because we have idols in our lives. Can I tell you what the biggest idol in my life is? And it's the same big idol in your life. It's you. You. 
you, you're like Nebuchadnezzar. I'm like Nebuchadnezzar. I have a statue of me inside me. And I want everything in the world to bow down to me. Well, I wouldn't dare say that. Did I say that with my outside voice? But yet I want life to run that way, don't you? Come on. That's got to come down. And that's why Jesus gave us something to do every day to take care of that one idol. What, are, what was it? Hmm. What were we supposed to pick up? If I could just remember, there's something we're supposed to do every day. Can you think of it? Pick up your cross daily. What does that mean? Kill yourself and follow after me. This, because we have idols. Now let's go on. 1 Corinthians 10.20 No, I imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord with the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. That's why I have these two glasses. You can't have the goodness of God in one glass and the filth of spiritual idolatry in another. Did you know that in the New Testament, wherever the word coveting is, it is referenced as idolatry? To covet something is setting it up as an idol. You want it more than anything else. So we've got issues with drinking ungodly things. And ultimately, Paul says, is it leads to a demonic force that's trying to keep you from the blessings of God. So he does this comparison. How can light want to go after darkness? It's an impossible chase. How, how can the, the table of God be mixed with the table of demons? But we do it every day in the choices we make, in what we watch, what we listen to, how we speak, how we respond to people, whether we should walk away or not. Don't we... See, and so this is the process of sanctification. So I want to take us through a time of prayer now to, to, to make this thing work in our hearts. Before we can get to consecration, we've got to talk about sanctification, which means separating, cleansing the vessel. And so I want to do that. How many of you remember what Jesus did at the Last Supper? He washed their feet. Now Peter said, no, 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 don't wash my feet, Lord. That's too lowly for you. You don't have to wash my feet. And he says, you don't understand, Peter. I have to do this to make you whole. I have to wash you. And then, so Peter then says, wash me all over. And Jesus says something, if a man has been washed once, he does not need to be bathed again, just his feet. You've been saved. You don't need to get re-saved, re set apart. Once you've been saved, God saved you by His blood. But you need your feet washed regularly. We've got to check ourselves and be washed and cleansed how we walk in this daily life. Does that make sense to you? And so that's where we're at tonight. Very practical teaching because we want to be consecrated, not just sanctified. I want to be washed, but I also want to be what? Filled. How's it? He, he's not going to fill you while you're still playing with the things of the world. So let's take the time right now. What I want to do is go through these three things for prayer. And this is between you and the Holy Spirit. The things I mention, 
I'm just mentioning because I wrote them down earlier. There's going to be other things. But you remember the picture about what you're taking in. So let me ask you that question. And we're going to go into prayer. What are you taking into your life? Have you taken in relationships that are ungodly? I mean, the command was, don't, do not be unequally yoked. Are you yoking your heart? Look, it's easy. You can fall in love with anybody. You really can. You can put your heart towards anybody. But I love them, but they're not saved. I know, but I love them. You shouldn't be with them. I mean, unless you're already married to them. Then you stay in that position and we work it out. But don't date an unbeliever, right? I need to preach this to the youth group. What are we taking in? Are you taking in food unhealthy? Do you know what the number one reason most of us are dying early is because of what we're eating? We eat so much junk. And, and this, I'm convicted on this, so I can't, you know, I've got to deal with that. It's between me and Jesus. Leave me alone. All right. <laughs> are you taking in alcohol? Well, I'm free to, t you know, I'm free to drink alcohol. The Bible says not to be drunk, so I can go ahead and drink alcohol. You do have that liberty, sure. In a nation that is the number one killer, in the nation that is the number one problem that's breaking up families and destroying people's lives. Sure, you go ahead and be the light. Have your beer and your wine whenever you need it. Go ahead. Be that light. I'm sorry, I'm getting sarcastic. Okay, I'll move on. Drugs. Hey, it's a natural herb. Right? It's from the ground. Well, you know what? With that same truth, some of us have to be careful about prescriptions. The prescription drug use is out of control. And there's nothing wrong with taking medications. I understand that. And many of them are God-given so that we can stay healthy. But you can abuse it, can't you? And so we've got to watch what we're taking in. Hey, I, I might as well keep going. I'm on a roll. Some of, some of you need coffee more than you need the Holy Spirit in the morning. Your motivation is, I've got to get some caffeine. When wouldn't it be great to be awake and alive by the power of God's Holy Spirit? What are we taking in? We're taking in disease, we're taking in sickness, we're taking in pornography, we take in slander, we take in gossip. Uh, uh, what, are we, what are we doing with our time? Some of you are workaholics. You're taking in your prestige from what other people say about you. You don't know your place in Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? All of these things are going to do damage to you as you're taking them in. Does that make sense to you? So what I want to do right now is between you and Jesus, I want you to ask the Lord, Father God, would you forgive me for the, for the sin and for the unclean things I'm bringing into my body, into my mind, and into my life? Can we just take a minute to do that? Okay? We're all in the same boat here. This is for all of us. We want to be washed. So let's take a minute to do that. I pray for us now, Lord Jesus. I pray for those who are listening to this CD, Lord God, that as they're listening, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to us of the things that we are taking in. We have not separated ourselves enough from the things of this fallen world. We have habits and familiar routines that we've been using to satisfy ourselves instead of letting you satisfy us. We've taken in things that give us 
peace instead of allowing you to be the prince of peace. We take in spirits instead of the Spirit of God. Father God, help us for what we're doing to our bodies. While we're asking you to heal us, we're continuing to damage ourselves. So I would ask you to pray with me now, everybody. Please uh, pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, the true Lord Jesus of Nazareth, forgive me of my sin. For what I have taken into my body, into my mind, into my soul. Cleanse me from it now. Break its power over my life. And sanctify me from it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's go to the next one. What are you putting out? All right? It may not be uh, uh, some kind of a discharge that's unclean, but how many of you have used words that are unclean? How many of you have had an attitude towards other people, unforgiving or harsh or judgmental? And in the realm of things, that's unclean. See what I'm saying? What's coming out of you towards others? What's coming out of you with your mouth? What's coming out of you by your actions? Do you know that there are, there are Christians who curse other Christians by what they say over them? God forbid. You don't like it when your kids argued in your home. Can you imagine what God's trying to say over his household while we're pitting each other against each other and judging? So you get the point, right? You get what, what we are doing. Unclean acts with our body. Unclean things. Let's pray for that right now. Jesus, identify that in us. Show us. Father, there isn't a single person here today that you don't have something to say about this. You have something to say to each one of us. And you want us to respond properly in obedience. It's your desire to wash us. It's your desire to wash behind our ears. It's your desire to, to clean out areas of our lives that we thought were hidden from you. And you want us clean. So I pray for that now for us. We want to sanctify our lives. So pray this with me now. Jesus, I ask you to cleanse what I am putting out towards others and the world as well as towards you. Cleanse my tongue and the words of my mouth. Cleanse my thoughts and my gestures and my response towards others. I have sinned and I want to be cleansed. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the last one we talked about were idols or spiritual unclean things. I don't know how many of you were involved in the occult. Uh, maybe some of you used to play with a Ouija board when you were a kid. Maybe you did seances when you were a kid. Maybe you did light as a feather, thick as a board. <laughs> I don't know if you, 
Most church retreats, you would do occult things. I'm sorry, but we used to. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, we need to be cleansed from those things. You know, there's a curiosity in it, and there's this and that. How many of you would go to, like, horror movies over and over? You had a real interest in occultic horror movies and things like that, you know? This stuff is unclean. Some of you came up in false doctrines. Paul calls false doctrine the doctrine of demons. Okay? Some of you may have come out of Jehovah Witness, may have come out of Mormons, you may have come out of the Way International, you may have come out of Buddhism, you may have come out of, of Confucianism, you may have come out of, of Islam, you may have come out of some religious order, and that religious order was set up by demonic powers. And so it's unclean. Some of you may have been wounded in a church and it has carried religious connotations into your life. That is a religious spirit. There are Jezebel spirits, Leviathan spirits, things that take on religious look and do damage. Some of you may have been wounded by a pastor, wounded by a church leader, and the enemy is using it to keep you from your full potential in the Lord. And it's an unclean thing. I want to pray for that, okay? Let's pray for that right now. Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Would you speak to our hearts as you're, as you're penetrating our hearts and minds here tonight? We're searching our memory. We're searching our souls. Saying, God, where there has been some level of idolatry, religious objects we used to pray to, or false doctrines we used to believe, Lord Jesus, occult practices, I bind the work of the enemy, demonic forces and powers right now. I bind you in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for the freedom of your Holy Spirit to cleanse us from these unclean things, these scorpion spirits, these frog spirits. I'm just seeing these different dimensions of the demonic. As, as, as extreme as the physical world is in all the different kind of creatures, it's the same in the spirit realm. All sorts of different kinds. So would you pray this with me? Dear Lord Jesus, the true Lord Jesus of Nazareth, I appeal to you now to break off all occult spirits and demonic spiritual activity in my life. I ask you to expose false religious spirits, even spirits that mimic Jesus. I tear down all religious spirits and I ask for cleansing and forgiveness for any sins I have committed on a spiritual dimension. Wash me now in the blood of Jesus. Amen. 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 Good. Good. See, now what we have done is we've prepared ourselves, separated ourselves out. Now what we can do, according to Joshua, is to be consecrated. Now that means filled. And so consecration, Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. This is something you do. God is the only one who can cleanse you by the blood of Jesus. But the consecration is you opening yourself to God. You must be willing to be filled by the Lord Jesus Christ. You have something so powerful in this room to block 
the work of God, and it is your will. Faith acts by your will, and you will to receive. And so by faith, you want to consecrate yourself. You want to say, God, fill me. Fill me up that I may see the wonders you're about to do. Ephesians 5.18, when it talks about consecration, says, Be filled with the Spirit. And I love this. I don't know how many of you have been watching in your backyard or in the trees, but how many of you have been seeing baby birds in their nests? And, and when I saw this, I realized, you know, I was, we have baby robins right outside our porch. And when mom comes, those things, their necks are stretching as far as those necks are stretching. And they're pushing the other one and they're just like, ah, food, fill me up. It's a life and death matter with these little baby birds. And they want, they are consecrating themselves to their mother, to their father. Fill me up. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. They shall be filled. Paul said, covet earnestly, zealously desire the best gifts. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Consecrate yourself. Be filled. Be available. Be ready to be used by God. And you will see mighty things that God is going to do. He is going to show you that as He passes by, keep your eye on Him because He's going to take you places you have never been before. You don't know how to get there, so you better keep up. And in order to do that, you must consecrate yourself. Get your foot out of Egypt. Get your foot out of the world. Stay in step through sanctification with the Holy Spirit and be consecrated with your neck stretched out like a baby bird to the Holy Spirit saying, Fill me! Fill me! Fill me. I want to fly. You were made to fly and not crawl in Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads.